Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. your sitter. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Nikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, December 18th, here in the Mile High City. Game day. Nuggets got a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. I'm recording this actually here this morning on Tuesday. We've had a crazy busy week. It's been it's been tough for me. It's been tough for everybody at the Stiffs. We're all right, I think, in the holidays, just really uh, really trying to get through it all. But anyway, so um I might be a little bit distracted. A, I got to do this thing solo because we've we've only got about a half hour of time, and nobody's got time um, to to record a podcast this this at this point in the day. So I'm just going to go ahead and take care of it for you guys and get it done. But uh, I'm also I'm I'm chasing something right now. This is it's funny you guys won't get to hear this unfortunately because it's the art of podcasting is not live. But um, we are currently myself, Mr. Vo, and Mr. Mares trying to confirm. Uh, we show Jared Vanderbilt as listed as a game time decision for tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks. That's, of course, huge news. And with uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez also listed as a game time decision with an abdominal strain, uh, you could potentially see Jared Vanderbilt uh, getting minutes. And and we know he's been fairly close. Malone made a comment a few days ago, I believe. Uh, I think it was at practice, maybe. He, he said that uh, they were, they were, he was getting close. We saw Vanderbilt kind of looking like, um, he was being participating in practice. So I don't know. We're trying to confirm. Maybe we will, maybe as you guys keep on listening, I might, as I get into the show, you might already know by the time you listen to the show, but, uh, it's kind of hard to do breaking news on a podcast, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll keep following that. So I, I apologize if I somewhat sound distracted or if you hear the click clack of my keyboard, um, as we chase that down, try and get an answer on that. Otherwise, we do have a couple of things to go through on the show. Of course, back-to-back wins for the Denver Nuggets. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Follow that up with a win over the Toronto Raptors. Two very impressive wins that is going to uh, can keep them up in the first seed in the Western Conference. A little bit, of, a little bit of side stories. Uh, there, particularly with Russell Westbrook, and of course how that game ended with a little bit of a dust up uh, between Westbrook, Murray, and then then Nikola Jokic uh, had some had some choice words Westbrook did for Nikola. There, we won't repeat because we're a family podcast. Uh, I want to get into that though. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook specifically and kind of his his role in in Nuggets fandom. Um, and then also I want to talk the other side of that matchup. Tory Craig played really well. 
in that Oklahoma City game. Plus, played really well against Russell Westbrook once again. Also seems to maybe have started to get something going on the offensive end, which, of course, if you get that out of Torrey Craig, if he can just be a guy who can hit three-pointers, uh, that, that that changes a lot for the Nuggets. So I'll talk a little bit about Torrey Craig. Uh, we'll also want to get into that Toronto game. Of course, the the Toronto game is, uh, you know, is one of those games where um, I was kind of concerned because the Nuggets, of course, went up to Toronto just a couple weeks ago. Got the victory up there. They've got the best record in the NBA. It's it was a big news, you know. Nuggets, Nuggets knocked them off. You figure there's a pretty big chip on their shoulder, but then they come in. You know, they don't have Kyle Lowry. They don't have Pascal Siakam. They don't have um, Fred Van Vliet. So they were they were very very much so uh, hampered. I mean, not that the Nuggets aren't. So it's not really an excuse by any means for Toronto. But you were concerned, uh, or not as concerned, once you heard that because. You, you figured, okay, at least at least we're back to an even playing field again with these two teams and the injuries. Nuggets get the win. It was it was a resilient win, though, on that one, and I really want to talk about that, especially Jamal Murray and his resilience uh, in the game and kind of how he went with the flow of the game and ultimately ended up being the difference uh, for Denver and got, getting that win. The other guy who is, of course, the big difference and has been all week, has been all month, is, is Nikola Jokic. He's been... Um, he's been basically the, the guiding force. We're starting to see a little bit of MVP discussion uh, around Nicola. So we'll, we'll discuss, uh, that to, uh, to wrap up kind of our, our recap of the week. And then we'll look forward as we always do. Like I said, we're going to talk about that, uh, Denver game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks and what's going on with that. We, it's the first time we've seen the Mavericks this year they are another one of these surprise teams in the west that a lot of people didn't think would make uh be in contention for the playoffs but are and are kind of making the the playoff picture even more uh, muddled out west than people anticipated they are of course led by leading rookie of the year candidate luka Doncic, and and uh anybody uh anybody who's been following me knows that i've been uh, i'm a pretty big luka Doncic booster so We'll definitely be talking about Luka and the Mavericks and whether or not they're real, you know, whether or not this this start by them is something to be trusted. An interesting upcoming week. Two teams for the Nuggets. Only two games here, but it's they've got the Mavericks tonight, a team who's on the surprise, and then the Clippers uh, on Saturday, another team who's who's been a lot of people expected to kind of fall off and has actually been uh, been quite good. So really an interesting kind of interesting stuff to get there. We will we'll talk about Wancho being out, maybe Jared Vanderbilt being in, and. Um, and then, you know, and like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get into both of these two teams and kind of their their upstart years. And I think that'll wrap up the show. We won't make it too long because I know listening to me by myself just drone on is is, is can be more difficult than uh, than most people want to endure. So we will we will not put you guys through that. In fact, let's dive right in. Let's get into let's wrapping up that week. I want to talk about so let's talk about Russell Westbrook, right? If, if everybody saw the the kind of tussle there at the end, Westbrook pushes Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray kind of pushes back. There's, um, there's this, uh, sort of, uh, you know, dust up or whatever. And then Jokic steps in the way <laughs> and then, uh, rest was broke basically telling him I'm going to F you up. Uh, and, and Jokic just kind of shrugging and giving the okay guy, uh, look, it was, it was kind of, it was interesting because, um, because it's Westbrook. Right. That's the thing is like this is this is a guy who at some point we got to start looking at like look at the history he has with the Nuggets. Like what is there just seems to be something about the Nuggets that that Westbrook 
really, really doesn't like. And it, I, I'm not quite sure, um, you know, what it is, but there's if whether you go back to, you know, you go back to the whole thing with remember with Rocky and he, he blocks his half court shot. Of course, I mean, like, it's just like petty, petty stuff like that. And it, it makes you wonder, you know, why does he have such a big deal with, um, with the Nuggets? I wonder if it goes back. It goes back all the way to basically um, to the playoffs. I think it was his maybe his second season uh, in the in the uh, playoffs that that Westbrook played against the the Nuggets. They they handled they handled Denver fairly easily. Another one of those five game series. Uh, but I remember Westbrook being quite a bit uh, pretty boisterous as he was. He really, I think that's really when his villainy with Denver started, at least on our end. When we look at, when, when I think a lot of fans don't really like Russell Westbrook here in Denver. And I think that that really starts with, he played, he played extremely well in those playoff, uh, in that, that playoff series against Denver back in 2011. And, um, and really, uh, we were already a wounded animal because of the whole melodrama and that that thing had come to uh, come to pass during that season. Then then to see this other team kind of have this rising another rising star on top of Kevin Durant and have him just you know I mean you see the way Westbrook plays he's very he's very emotional on the court and uh, some people can appreciate that a lot of people don't and especially when he's he's being emotional about emotional uh, about putting a licking on your own team in the playoffs that's. Well, that's especially uh, difficult to deal with. So I think that a lot of people don't like him for that. But then he's followed that up with antic after antic when it comes to Denver. I mean, we like I said, there was the Rocky thing. There is now there was the Jokic thing already once, right? We this it was kind of interesting to see the difference this year. But but what was it? Maybe last season in the preseason, I think. Uh, Westbrook takes a pretty cheap shot at, at Jokic, and and nobody did anything. They just basically said, oh, "All right," and, and and then that was it. This time, uh, he he pushes Murray, and and I mean, Jokic is Jokic is pretty much right there, ready to go. Uh, if you looked at one of the replays, you could see Wancho was he almost had a smile on his face about the whole thing. Like he was like, "Here, here we go again." This this little Russell Westbrook guy is going to try and uh, going to try and mess with us. And it was it was good to see there was a definitely a different different response. You know, to his antics by the team, and the, these guys obviously stood up for each other. Out and, and you know, I mean, Jokic is look. Russell Westbrook is 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 a very uh, a very athletic guy and, and a tough dude. Uh, Jokic is like seven foot tall and and does nothing but uh, fight with his Serbian brothers for the past you know twenty years. So I, I just me personally, I'm taking Jokic in that matchup, but. Uh, it is what it is. Obviously, Westbrook not going to not back down to anybody, and and not going to back down to the Nuggets. Like I said, there's some sort of there's some sort of thing that I can't quite figure out, but something about them playing Denver that he really doesn't like. Um, really, sorts seems to have made him kind of the enemy of the Nuggets, which the Nuggets have kind of needed when you think about it. So Kobe Bryant uh, was the enemy of the Nuggets for pretty much the entire mellow years. I mean, the Spurs. Or we're a bit of a pain in their side too, but but Kobe, because of the su- success with Lakers, because of the uh, the transgression, the altercation, the allegations, whatever you want to call it, uh, in in Eagle, uh, there was there was the um, there's this just the natural role of a villain uh, for for the Nuggets, and he and he always he always won, right? He always figured out a way to to overcome the the Denver, which just made you uh, which made you hate him even more. 
since he's been gone, though, you know, the Nuggets, of course, they that's kind of also coincided with the Nuggets. Not not obviously directly correlated, but just coincidentally coincided with the Nuggets uh, on their own slide here. And, and they haven't had uh, this villain. And I don't know that I would call the Oklahoma City Thunder a, a rivalry kind of on, on the same level as, as the way the Nuggets fans felt about Lakers, especially back in the 2000s. But Russell Westbrook himself... Um, I think certainly fills that that villain role that Kobe held uh, in the '90s and then I or sorry in the 2000s. I was trying to think in the '90s um, who it might have been. They Nuggets were so bad. Their their biggest villain was probably Bernie Bickerstaff. To be honest, um, yeah, in the 1990s that was rough. But I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm thinking as a fan. You know, my my mind would go to like John, a guy like John Stockton. I think is probably uh, for some reason I just really hated John Stockton. Probably because he again he was so good and he just. You always seem to put put a licking on the Nuggets, him and Carl Malone. But uh, I digress. Anyways, Russell Westbrook, you know, like I said, he's kind of this new this new villain thing, and I think it's good. I think it's good for for Denver. I think it's good that we saw them have that moxie this time around to be like, hey, dude, we're not gonna we're not gonna take this from you anymore. Uh, I also think it's good that they got it in a victory. You know, that's that's the number one way to. Uh, win a rivalry is is to win the game so the it's 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 i'm i'm okay with it i I really am i mean it's a little bit of a it's it's a little bit of a a cheap shot there at the end it's obviously coming out of frustration um and that's you know you don't you don't like to see that you obviously don't want to condone guys uh taking taking shots like that but um it it is what it is you know what the funny thing part is i was so when i was watching that game i um I watched it on the with the the Thunder broadcast on, and they they thought their their conclusion over there their broadcasting conclusion was that during that altercation was uh, the only thing that should happen was Jokic should get a technical foul. So that uh, that lets you know the the level of homerism <laughs> over there. Um, I'm kind of happy that that it, you know it basically I don't think I don't know if they called maybe they called the tech on on Russ. Um, I I didn't really think he needed one. I thought maybe you could give him a fine. Um, and then that would be, I don't know if maybe he did get a finite. It shows you how much up to tune I am with Russell Westbrook and his news. Anyway, so I think that's, uh, let's, let's kind of, you know, the, the thing that the, to kind of bring it around to the next subject, um, the thing that really frustrated, I think Westbrook the most was, was Tory Craig, Tory Craig really, really had a, um, an outstanding, outstanding sort of uh two games now this week both both against Oklahoma City and and against Toronto the thing against Oklahoma City that was really impressive especially was he really early in that game uh got his got his shot going and we finally got to see Torrey Craig there was so much talk this offseason uh from the organization about Torrey Craig and how hard he was working and how good he was looking and how he was just shooting lights out in the gym and then and then you know both him and, and another guy Trey Lyles they there was a lot of a lot of talk and then and then when they got out there it just we just haven't seen it we haven't seen it on the court it's really nice to see Tory kind of put that together in these because the Nuggets need him I mean he's he's getting these opportunities you know because Gary Harris is out because uh Will Barton is out the Denver is thin on the wings now Wancho is um, is questionable, so they need Tory Craig to be not just a grind it out kind of hustle hard. Yeah, he's got really good. You know, he's a good defender. He's puts in a ton of effort on that end. He's he's pretty much a liability on offense. But we know we can put him out there and put him on a guy like Russell Westbrook, uh, and he can slow him down. Like that's all well and good. You want that out of him, but because of the fact that you don't have 
all the weapons that you would normally have uh, on the offensive end. You can't afford to have a guy out there who just simply can't hit shots. You know, so so and that's that's the case that the, what the case was for for Tory Craig for the first first month and a half of the season. I mean, he he was completely a non-factor to the point that defenses were were sagging you know, five, six feet off of him, uh, practically almost in the lane, almost in, into a, uh, what would be a, in the old days, an illegal defense. They're almost double teaming another guy off ball because uh, they're so, they're sagging so far off toward Craig. And, and that just, that just completely denied any sort of, any sort of dribble penetration. It made uh, pick and rolls uh, much more difficult. DHOs more, much more difficult because that help was always there. Uh, off of that action because those guys would could, would be happier to leave Torrey Craig open at the three point line and allow the Nuggets to get to the lane or to to execute like some of those pick and rolls or those DHOs and and that that pretty much made it to the point where our coach had to take him out right I mean coach ended up making the switch uh, giving Wancho that starting position and Wancho's held on to it ever since because he's been able to provide that that spacing that they need but. Tori is Tori is you know now shown not only in that Oklahoma City game he shot pretty well in in the Toronto game not quite as well as he shot uh, against against Oklahoma City but he still had definitely had a game uh, a good game for them you know I think he was what he was you know, five for fourteen and not not particularly great there that's right around you know forty or so percent you want to see that a little bit higher but three from eight from from a three point line that's right about right about league average or right in there you know so he wasn't again he wasn't a total liability he hit some good uh some good shots some big shots there in that game and he really if you look at the box score you know it's tough uh you wouldn't think he did that great against Kawhi Leonard Kawhi scored 29 points on only 21 shots uh he was he was really uh, really the the most effective part of that Toronto team he plus three on the game you know everything would everything would point to you to Otori oh, really didn't do that well against him but I I don't I didn't get that impression watching that game I thought Tori really actually defended Kawhi quite well you know he's one of six from three he didn't give him he didn't give him that the the backbreaker threes he made him work inside for it and give Kawhi credit he's in a phenomenal player a phenomenal finisher around the rim a great mid-range shooter you know he got his shots he only had four free throws so Craig didn't give him a bunch of and one opportunities or you know didn't put him uh on the line with silly fouls even though he ended up with five on the game he he really I thought he played controlled and and quiet quiet had a good game yes but but with the Raptors as injured as they were they needed Kawhi to have an, an an all out game um and, and the Nuggets kept that at bay, and, and Torrey Craig had a big part of that. So it was really back-to-back games. Not only do we see it on that defensive end against some of the best uh, the best players there are in the NBA, we also saw it on that offensive end. And if, if he can continue to do that, then it really gives you a lot of hope you know, for the Nuggets and and their their future, at least immediate future, over the next month or so with Gary Harris out. We don't know what, quite when Will Barton's going to be back yet. We'd assume he'd be closer than Gary. But um, if you've got Torrey Craig and he's he's able to be just a three and D guy for you, now suddenly you're saying, okay, you know we've still got Murray and Jokic to provide the bulk of our offense. We've got Wancho who can also give us some spacing. Um, when, and then whether we put in Lyles or we try and you know we maybe go, we're going to put in some sort of other guy, whether it's it's Lyles or we play Beasley and and put Wancho at the four. You know that that we're going to give spacing, or we're going to go with Plumlee and give us another 
another playmaker on offense, another guy so that we can kind of run uh, run some actions with. That then you feel okay. We've 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 got still a pretty solid base. Our bench is starting to get a little pr- pretty thin. Uh, and again, I'm still working. We're still working on this Jared Vanderbilt thing. So um, potentially that could be uh, some help on the way here shortly. But uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of still potency in in that starting lineup and a good good mix of different roles. You know, you got Plumlee and, and Craig to lead your defense. You've still got Jokic and Murray as your primary offensive threats with a good secondary action. Like I said, if you can, if Craig can be a guy who can be uh, consistent from uh, from the corners, if you've got you Wancho is another guy to space and also give you a little little playmaking from the wings. Uh, you've got Mason Plumlee who can when they when they decide to take action away from. From Jokic, you can you can swing it over to Plumlee and basically just run the same set on the other side of the court. There's, it, it's it's workable. It's certainly it's certainly at least in in uh, in the short term, and and you feel good about that. But if Tory Craig is is just a guy who's not going to be able to shoot at all, suddenly now you got two guys in Plumlee and Craig who can't space the floor at all, uh, and, and you really, as we've seen, time and time again. Uh, over Nikola Jokic's career, that really, when he's got two guys on the floor who really can't space for him, that really, really makes it uh, makes it difficult for him to operate and, and do what the Nuggets want to do. So that's 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 just need Court Craig to kind of keep it up, and I think they're going to be fine. It'll be interesting to see tonight um, how he does. He's got another again another difficult defensive matchup um, in front of him. But uh, but they're gonna once again need him, especially if Wancho's out. They're gonna once again need need Tori to be a huge part of both their defensive side and their and their offensive side. <clears throat> the uh, the other thing like I like that we've been saying though, that, you know, that they've got going for them right now is of course they've got they've got Jokic Jokic and Murray. Right, this is this is this combo that we've we haven't seen in a while. Um, from the Denver or from the Nuggets, it's always sort of not not even I don't even want to say we haven't seen a while. I mean, we just haven't seen it yet this way. We've we've known that um, that Gary Harris and Nicole Jokic have a really good two man game, right? We've we've seen that time and again uh, in games. They both really really work well with each other and and play uh, play effective basketball. With Murray and Jokic, I think it's been a lot more of those two guys operating in their own spaces. You know, there there have been plays that we obviously all can remember the give and go um, from the uh, from the Sacramento Kings game a few years back, where where Murray or Jokic flips it over his shoulder to Murray, and Murray gets that 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 free or that uh, that layup that was um, it was just a really nice play. But you, I don't think you've ever we've seen so far those two really be an effective two-man game like we're seeing right now. And it's it's making it very difficult for teams to defend because the fact of the matter is, is Jamal Murray, when he is on, um, is probably every bit of an off... Not even probably. He is every bit of uh, an offensive weapon that Jokic is. When, when Murray is on, now he's a little more... He's not as consistent as Nikola is, but he we've seen that when he's got his shot falling, he, he's got enough enough moves with his handle to be able to create a separation. He doesn't need much and, and, and get shots, and, and he's really good with the pull-up. Uh, he's got the floater. He, of course, can hit the three. He's he's now he's we're seeing him work more on that pick and roll with Jokic, and and you know kind of going to a pick and roll from a pick and roll to a give and go, and it's and that's getting him a lot of good looks near near the basket. It's 
it's just really, really hard to defend because the other option that you have is, okay, so we, we're going to collapse harder. We're going to hedge hard out on Murray. Well, now you're you're either A, switching, and you're going to give make that guard go one-on-one with Jokic, which the, the easy thing is, of course, Murray just dumps the ball to Jokic on the roll. He doesn't even – Jokic is not a guy who's going to roll that hard to the hoop, but he doesn't even have to. He can simply get the ball. Sometimes they, you have to use that pick and roll uh, just to get basically to be a post-entry pass, and then uh, you get it in there against the guard with the switch, and, he, and he's got he's got the ability to uh, – Jokic in the post is obviously going to win that matchup every time. Um, or, you know, he can pop. That's the other thing. If, if the guy's going to hedge, Jokic can pop. He's now – the height advantage is, is clearly in his favor. He hasn't been great at th- from three so far, but the Nuggets don't always necessarily use that pick and pop with Murray and Jokic at the three-point line. You know, it's it's um, it's something that we've seen them use more of a mi- – to open up a mid-range shot for, for Joker as well, and he's been he's been quite effective uh, from that range. So it's just these guys, now that they have that going, that – that like I said, that two man game, it's it's become just really difficult for teams to defend, and it's and it's something the Nuggets need because Jokic Jokic has been phenomenal these past you know basically like I said this whole month ever since really all these injuries have started mounting, he's been the guy who stepped up and and has been had his all around game. You know he's not putting up forty points a game or something like that, but he is I think averaging something like twenty points, eleven rebounds, and over eight assists now just just in this month. So he's he is certainly being one of the the top weapons in the NBA world, like some people are starting to talk about him in, in MVP conversations. Because how can you not? You see all of these other guys going down, all of these really solid quality players, three starters, a six man you signed uh, in free agency, your first round pick. All these guys aren't there, and yet you are playing the best basketball the team has played in years. You're at the top of a Western Conference. You are right now have a better record than the Golden State Warriors. I mean, Jokic is the guy who's been there the whole time, right? Jokic and Murray, uh, and obviously Jokic is the guy. Like I said, he's more consistently um, been the been the attacker every night. So that's uh, that's been <laughs> once again my dogs. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. Um, Jokic has been kind of the you know he's he's there's reason you should have the MVP conversation uh, going on for for the Nuggets because he's he's. Even though his stats, you know, like I said, he's not leading the league in scoring. He's not leading the league in assists. I mean, he's not leading the league in rebounds. He's not leading anything. But um, he's he's been the constant force on a team who's right now one of the best teams in the NBA. You, you have to you have to have that, and that's so huge for the Nugget. This is because this is kind of his moment, right? This is really Jokic's moment to shine with everybody else out. He's the one guy who's got to uh, who's got to. Keep it going. I'll tell you what, you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my thought. I have some um, obviously somebody's at the door here and they want to uh, they want to talk to me. So I will I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll we'll just go ahead. We'll hit the break and then when we come back, we will look forward to the upcoming week uh, in this game tonight. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest. That's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. 
They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. My name is Zach McGosh, DenverStiffs.com. We spent the first half of the show breaking down the week that was for the Denver Nuggets. Two big wins, Oklahoma City Thunder and Toronto Raptors. Now Denver prepares for the game tonight. First off, that is against the Dallas Mavericks. And then, of course, they have the game on Saturday against the Los Angeles Clippers when they go back out onto the road, head out to L.A. Uh, for that one. It's, you know, it's going to be, it, it looks, when you look, compare it to last week, it looks a little bit easier, right? Like you maybe, maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit. You're not, I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder and Toronto Raptors are two clear playoff teams. You don't necessarily feel that way about either the Mavericks or the Clippers. Granted, the Clippers now have been, uh, they've been in, you know, solid playoff position the entire season and we're, we're a third of the way through. So you, you you should probably start taking them seriously as a uh, as a playoff team. Of course, though, with the way the NBA standings are, it's really hard to take anybody right as 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 a playoff team just because you know that well one one if they go on have one downturn there they might be on the outside looking in because I mean you know you could say the th- same thing about the Mavericks they they got a winning record uh, they've they've been. Uh, um, in the playoff picture or around it the entire season. So you could, you could make the same claim about them that you should probably take them as legit. The thing about the, the, you know, uh, Mavericks right now is that they're, they're two games back of being in 13th place. So it's, it's a little bit different than a team like the thunder who's 19 and 10 and, and, and clearly uh, right up there near the top, or even the team like the Clippers who's, who's 17 and 13 is really only a game up uh, on the Mavericks. Same in the loss column, only three back in the loss column of all those other, uh, those teams come down there in the back, back into the, of the of the conference standings. But I don't know. It just the Clippers seem like like they're. The, I feel. I guess if I were to say which one team I feel is like more for real, it'd probably be the Clippers. And I don't necessarily know why I, I would feel that way. I like. I think I like the Mavericks roster more. I certainly like it more in the long term. Um, but but. There's just like, you know, last year the Clippers, everybody thought they weren't going to be very good. And then they challenged for a playoff spot all the way down to the, to the end of the year. I mean, they're dealing with some some injuries as well. Lou Williams uh, has been out. Luke Mute has been out. So they're not, they're not at full strength. But the guy they do have at full strength is Danilo Gallinari. And he is looking, you know, looking a lot like the Gallo of old. I mean, Gallo has... 
has played very, very strongly for uh, for the the Clippers. He's given him over eighteen points a game. He's given him five boards, six boards. You know, a couple says he's he's shooting forty five percent from three point land, which is obviously phenomenal. Um, we know what he can do from the free throw line. He's nearly ninety two percent there. He's getting almost six attempts a game. So Gallo is is back to you know, what you expect Gallo to be, which is kind of like that nice number two, number three type of guy on your team. And it's working well because they also have Tobias Harris, who's kind of a similar skill set kind of guy. Another guy who's shooting over 40% from three. Another guy who's an excellent, you know, shooter all around, uh, playmaker, scorer. And, and he leads the team in scoring. And between those two kind of options, that kind of two-headed monster out on the wings that they have, both those guys have the ability to play you know, play both forward spots, uh, mix it up a bit. That that has just really been um, an effective combo for them, and and it's 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 working for them. And as long as it stays healthy, I don't know. I just I just believe in it. And I know like the thing that's hard to believe in is will Gallo stay healthy because he's always always seemed to struggle uh, with that. But you know, I mean, it's just there's there's I don't think there's anything. Uh, you can do other than just play the hand you're dealt. And so in terms of this right now, he's healthy. So you got to look at it from the viewpoint of he's going to be healthy. And as long as he is, I, th- I just think the Clippers, I like I like that group. They remind me a lot of the teams kind of like uh, the 2013 Nuggets and then the Atlanta Hawks a few years after that who did, did it really well. But a team who's really just a collection of really good players, multiple players who can score uh, the basketball can play make for themselves and for others. Nobody really grabs at you as the overwhelming like star player of the team, but they're just a collection of really good, uh, good complementary pieces. They've got a good coach behind them, and and all that together, you know, you can get a playoff squad out of that. You can you can get playoff series wins uh, out of that. We I don't think you can get to the finals with that formula, but. Um, I think this is a, I think the Clippers are a team that you certainly have to you have to take seriously and the Mavericks the reason I would say the Mavericks maybe I take a little less seriously is because a we've seen we've seen the um like I said how close the Western Conference is in terms of seeds you know 14 through seeds one really when you think about it the Nuggets are currently uh in the one seed but they are actually uh, what is it so the, the Nuggets are 20 and 9 that would put them only 8 uh, eight up in the loss column on the team that is currently in second to last place in the Western Conference. Like it's that's what's crazy about the West. It's the Suns are out. Okay, the Suns are garbage. They won three in a row, but they're garbage. Um, everybody else could be in the playoffs. Every other single team in the West has has a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, there's only there's only three other teams in the West that are under five hundred, and the Jazz are currently the furthest under five hundred of those three teams. At 14 and 17, so that's how crazy it is there. And the 14th seed right now, the Jazz are um, three and a, two and a half games back of being in the playoffs. So that when you have it so dense and tight like that, and then you have a team like Dallas, who's you know Luka Doncic is their uh, is their leading scorer. He's been the the revelation for them that some of us. <clears throat> myself uh expected and i'm not gonna hold on i'm not gonna pat my back on that let's be honest a lot of people had a lot of people had luke Doncic uh being pretty good this year i'm not the i'm not the progeny uh that you might think um but uh they are pro- progeny prodigy i don't whichever one 
Um, the but uh, you know they, they they're relying heavily on Luca. They're relying heavily on Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, the second year point guard. They've got some. They've got some good vets. You know, in in Harrison Barnes, he's really. Oh, really played well for them. Obviously, they still have Dirk, though he hasn't played very much. They have uh, whatever DeAndre Jordan's doing. I'm not sure if you can call it basketball, but uh, they have him there as well. So they've got some vets. Like I said, DeAndre, probably not a very good vet to point to. I don't know that he's got a very good presence for the team right now. So there, there's some stuff around there, you know. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, Harrison Barnes has, has won a championship, right? DeAndre Jordan has been to the playoffs plenty of years jj barea has won a championship uh, you know they, got, they still got <laughs> my man devin harris is over there uh is well they've got they've got that that voices in the locker room but voices in the locker room is one thing when you're on the court the guy you know they're not relying on dirk anymore obviously to be to be their leader on the court uh they're not relying on devin harris they're not relying on jj barea those are bench guys like i said dirk really hasn't even played this season um they're relying on for on-court the production is coming out of Luka Doncic. It's coming out of Dennis Smith, Harrison Barnes. Yes, uh, you know, you got Dorian Finney-Smith, those kind of guys. Jalen Brunson has, has got a little bit of time with the team as well. They're rookie, I believe, or me. He might not be a rookie. I think he might be a second-year guy. Um, but, you know, they, they've got they've got a lot of production coming from guys who are very young. And when you have that, and when you have the standings as tight as they are, I trust the team like that less because I think the young guys are more prone to getting into a downswing and they'll have a harder time pulling themselves out of it. Uh, than a team like the Clippers who, like I said, I mean, they're relying on Danilo Gallinari, uh, Tobias Harris, relying on Lou Williams, who's, who's been a little bit hurt as we were saying, you know, Patrick Beverly, they're the big producers for the Clippers are veteran guys. So, you know, that like they, they know how to weather the storm over a season and deal with success when they're having it deal with coming off that success and maybe having a little bit of a downturn and being able to turn that back around. They know all of those things. Whereas I don't necessarily trust that the Mavericks do. So that's why I think maybe I don't trust them quite as much, but I will say this, man, I think Luke Doncic, I, I mean, I, I've always said this. I mean, he was, He's my pick for rookie of the year. I thought it was, I thought it was crazy. I thought people were nuts. The Phoenix Suns were nuts. The Sacramento Kings were nuts. Every single team that passed on Luka Doncic was nuts. He is the clear best prospect in this rookie class. He was clearly the player who was already the best player. And then you add in the fact that he's what he's what he did in Euroleague was so impressive that it was like there was clearly I, I don't understand how people like tried to talk themselves out of it with Doncic because you know he's he's a European guy oh we've seen this before especially in Denver I think we really get that vibe in Denver because we really were the ones the guinea pigs for the whole kind of European movement for a while there we were the ones who took the uh the Renciuses and the Skittish Veelies and saw that just blow up spectacularly in our faces. So I think especially in Denver, there's sort of this kind of anti-European players coming over to the NBA sentiment just because we've, we've had uh, our fair share of the busts in, in some of the, some of the biggest busts um, that, that we've seen during that movement. But that was a long time ago. I mean, this is this is not the day of of Rencius. This is where where nobody even sees the guy play, you know, and they draft him. This is not the day of of what was it, Mil- Darko Milicic? I think the story was there was that basically uh, he had like one workout and everybody was super awed by this one workout, and and then that's what both put him up into the number two 
uh, overall spot in, in the draft. You know, those days are gone. There's this thing called uh, the Internet that is really taken off and Twitter and YouTube. And, and, and there's teams are have understood now that the, the leagues in Europe have grown and have become much better over the past quarter century and are or have legit basketball talent and, and a lot of the talent they're going up against in Europe is legit basketball talent, some of which is players who have spent time in the NBA themselves already. And these are the guys that they're playing day in and day out. Like, it's not a, a huge mystery drafting a guy from overseas anymore. It's just not. It's fairly good. You're easy to scout them. It's We find that you, you, know, you find diamonds in the rough like Nikola Jokic because you go over there and you scout these guys and, and you catch on to something. Luke Doncic, you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to have any secret to catch on to. The guy was the Euroleague MVP. He he led Real Real Madrid to to the you know Euroleague championship. He freaking he won the Euro Cup with Slovenia. With Slovenia, okay, not Spain, not 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 Serbia. I mean Slovenia, which is which is a a, a decent team in the international spectrum, but by no means has ever been considered a powerhouse. He was the the leading force behind that team, winning winning Euro Cup. He wins Euro League. He win, I mean, he won every single freaking award you can win at, at the height of European basketball. And people still want to act like he wasn't going to be this good. It's absolutely insane to me. I got off into a bit of a, a Luka Doncic rant there, but uh, I mean, this guy is legit, and so he's going to go through some growing pains playing now in this level of the NBA. But he's, I mean, he what he put up twenty eight points just the other night. He is. The real deal. He is a guy that the Nuggets. I mean, Torrey Craig. He's he's been up against Kawhi Leonard. He's been up against Russell Westbrook. It doesn't get really much easier for him. He's now got the next generation uh, of great player of, of great players coming at him, and, or one of them with um, with Luka Doncic. I really believe that. I really believe Luka Doncic is going to be a Hall of Fame uh, player. Is going to be one of. We're going to look back at him as one of the best players to to play in the NBA. I, I think that's that's how good this guy is. Um, I'm excited to watch it, so I'm, I'm really excited to see this game tonight. But Torrey Craig is going to be, be tasked with stopping that, and that's why you can't overlook this Dallas team anymore. They've got a new, younger core led by a very, very, very talented prospect who's not afraid of this game, who is who is ready to step in. I mean, he stepped in. He's averaging 18 points, nearly seven boards, almost five assists. He's a guy who is going to continue to play at a very high level, even though he's playing against much tougher competition because he's coming from probably the second best league behind the NBA in the entire world. You know, I mean, you might be able to argue, some people argue like the G League is better than uh, the Euro League. I wouldn't, but clearly there's nobody like Luka Doncic playing in the G League. Um, there's a reason why there are a bunch of European guys get drafted higher than G League guys. Because uh, you like, never mind, I'm getting off, I'm getting off topic again here. But, um, you know this 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 team is 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 on the rise, and they're going to be a problem to deal with. And and the reason they're going to be a problem is because they've got Luka Doncic, because they've got Dennis Smith, they've got young, talented players who are going to be with them for a long time and make them very good for a long time. So Denver can't overlook this. They it's 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 a it's a tough game because it's the closing. You're closing out your homestand. You've played three very solid teams in the Grizzlies, the Thunder, and the Raptors. You've won all those games. You're still fighting through all of the injuries, but this is a team that um, they've got the potential 100% uh, to beat you, so you've got to be prepared uh, tonight against Dallas. You've got to be able 
to to overcome that and and you're going to be you're going to be disadvantaged you're not going to have Juancho Hernan Gomez that's going to be a tough a tough battle to overcome and and you're going to you're going to like I said Tory Craig man this is a big game for him this is a a really big game and potentially I still don't have any confirmation on this on Jared Vanderbilt I'll tell you guys right now I'm probably leaning I would say I'm about 75% that yes this is accurate that Jared Vanderbilt is uh, a game time decision tonight. My guess is we were trying to confirm with PR. Uh, I haven't heard back from Mr. Mata's or Mr. Vote. Those guys are are, are insiders. Um, so we're trying to get PR to confirm that the report is accurate. But it's I mean I got it. they they updated it like I said yesterday the same time they updated to Wancho uh, and added him to the thing. They also continue to extend. Uh, Will Barton and Isaiah Thomas's timelines. Those guys are now December 22nd, December 23rd. So don't read too much into that. They only just pushed it back another week. They tend to been, been doing that. And then, but for whatever reason, they did not push back Jared Vanderbilt. They kept him at, um, they kept him as a game time decision for tonight. Now, this is the other key thing to, to notice here is Gary Harris was hurt against the Toronto Raptors. Not this game, of course, that we've been talking about, but the one uh, two weeks ago just yesterday so the way that injury exception that they've got nick young signed under right now works is that basically you've got to have four or more players who are out at least two weeks uh to qualify up until this point the nuggets have been able to do that with jared vanderbilt michael porter jr will barton and isaiah thomas those have been their four but if you bring jared vanderbilt back he would no longer qualify, which means you'd only have three. However, Gary Harris now, as of today, because he got injured uh, two weeks ago yesterday, so as of today, he's officially been out for two weeks. So that would actually, he would still, Nick Young would still qualify for the hardship exception because they now have Gary Harris out. So that, um, like I said, I'm about 75%. We'll, we'll try and get this confirmed. Stick close to, to Mr. Mares and Mr. Vote on their Twitter feeds. Those guys will be uh, getting that confirmed here. I imagine a shoot-around, which should take place not too long. Might even be taking place as you guys are listening to this. So stick that. But it'll be interesting to see if, if Wancho can't go. Um, you would think maybe Vanderbilt will get some minutes. I don't know. It's crazy. Seems like they're rushing back. Cause I don't know if he's... I know he's been close to getting cleared. I do know that. But it's like, I don't think we've ever seen a report that he participated in a full practice maybe he did yesterday uh you know or something like that but um usually coach like to see guys go through a full practice before he uh before he'll put them out there but but something to watch for certainly and, and if they don't have a watch show then obviously Tori craig's gonna have to step up and and if jv's got to play then you know it's, it's not gonna be they're not certainly not gonna ease him into it man they're gonna they're gonna throw him out there uh he makes a lot of sense you know a guy like that would be helpful against luka Doncic against a, a harrison barnes so i'm curious i'm really curious it's gonna be fun to watch uh let's not let's not um let's not stick here stick here too long i guess the last thing i'll i'll put uh i'll point on this and then we'll let you guys get out of here um Nikola Jokic, we talked about it. We talked about it earlier about how big this is for him, this time period right now, about him becoming like taking that next step. That really he's he's becoming this MVP candidate. Uh, he's walking to that light. There's a huge advantage for Nikola 
tonight, but it's going to be he's going to have to extend his uh, his comfort level a little bit because if there's one thing that Nicola really hasn't I think looked comfortable doing this season, it's been shooting the three point ball. He's he's under thirty percent, I believe. He hasn't had you know what that type of year that we've expected. We know he can shoot it from out there. He was nearly a forty percent shooter last season from three pointers. So you figure he'll turn it around, but Nicola's a guy when he knows he's very in tune to his shooting as well, right? So he knows like hey, if this shot's not falling for me, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to shoot it. I'm just going to let uh, play make for others and, and and not worry about it. Maybe get some baskets around the rim. Maybe get to the free throw line. Get points that way. He's he's very very good at at you know taking what's given to him tonight. The three-point ball is going to be given to him. The fact of the matter is, is DeAndre Jordan, I mean, if you guys have been following this, DeAndre Jordan is like, he's just disinterested. I mean, he's he's checked out. He It's, it's weird, too, because he just signed over there in uh, Dallas, but he doesn't seem to really care very much. He, he basically, he's not going to close out on, on a three-point shooter at the three-point line. He just doesn't care. It's, it's funny. He just, he's just going to stay, he'll stand there and watch. I mean, he really, he really has been atrocious. So that's where they need Jokic tonight to be uh, at his best. They need him to be shooting the ball. They need him to be stretching the floor. You want to get DeAndre Jordan out of the paint, no matter what, even with him looking disinterested, disinterested like he is, he's still a phenomenal rim protector when he wants to be. So you need to keep him out of the paint. That's how you want to be most effective when attacking uh, this Dallas defense. Jokic just got to step up to that. He's got to tonight really step up to the shooting portion of it. I think he's going to need to hit, you know, three, four, three pointers, and really and really make uh, make Jordan extend his defense out to the three point line. Because if, if he's if he's just gonna if he's gonna miss those shots and then he's gonna if he misses a couple and then he doesn't want to shoot anymore, that's really playing in right into Dallas what Dallas wants to do, and they can't have that. Like I said, the Nuggets really cannot overlook. Uh, this team. So, all right, guys, I think we're going to go, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. So make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh, uh, at Pickaxe Pundits, at Denver Stiffs, at SB Nation, all that good stuff. Uh, we're on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Also on Facebook, give us a follow and a like. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. I don't know where else people watch or watch people listen to podcasts uh wherever wherever you guys are getting this podcast just make sure you're subscribed to the feed leave a rating uh and a review we would definitely definitely appreciate that uh all right everybody we will talk to you next week this is